0: Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Cabling. As you can tell, I'm not in my home studio this week. Now, normally when I travel, I record my episode on Sunday nights instead of Monday nights like normal. But Sunday, Chuck had to do some roof repair, and I fell off my extension ladder on my back deck at about a six-foot height. And as you can imagine, I spent the majority of Sunday kind of recuperating. Maybe I need to do a show on ladder safety. Hmm. So anyways, enjoy this episode about data center fire suppression. Welcome to the show where we tackle the tough questions that are submitted by installers, project managers, estimators, IT personnel, and even the occasional customer. On this show, we connect at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this show on YouTube, would you mind hitting the subscribe button and hitting that little bell thing next to that so that way you can get notified when new content comes out? If you're listening to this show on a podcast such as Apple or Google Play, would you mind leaving us a five-star rating? And if we can't get a five-star rating then shoot me an email and let me know what I can do to make it better. Those two little tips helps us beat the algorithm so more people can hear this show and we can help make other people's careers better. Also, don't forget our After Hours series broadcast live on Thursdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's broadcast live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and now even Facebook, where you get to have your questions answered by your favorite RCDDD. That would be me, live on LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook. If you missed the show, it's okay. Don't worry about it. They're recorded, and you can watch them for later consumption. So make sure you submit your questions to questions at letstalkcabling.com. Also, when you're on our webpage at letstalkcabling.com, make sure you check out our vlogs and other newsletters and sign up. Also, make sure that you sign up for Patreon or one of our Amazon links, or you can make a donation to help support this show. This show is free and will always be free, but you can always help in defraying some of the costs and make my my wife happy. I apologize for this content being late coming out. I had some out-of-town guests that caused me to push back the show. I hope that you understand. And today's show is special because... It's being filmed in front of a live studio audience. That's not a track. There's actually people watching me do the show. (laughs) Oh, anyways, I have done a lot of data center work in my career. And although I've never really designed a data center, I certainly loved the short cable runs and setting up the cabinets and dressing all those cables. And honestly, working in a nice, cool temperature During the hot, sweaty, sweltering summer, was always an added benefit as well. Recently, I had an audience member in one of my weekly live streams ask about data center fire suppression systems. And I was already close to the end of that show, and I didn't have enough time to adequately cover that material. So I decided to cover it here in a special show all by itself. Now keep in mind, this subject is limited to fire suppression systems. Covering this is like going to be eating the icing off the top of a cupcake. There's a lot more to cover, but today it's fire suppression systems. If you are a data center expert and you would like to either be interviewed or be a part of the expert council for the Let's Talk Cabling podcast, make sure that you reach out to me. You can contact me at chuck at I certainly have an open slot for you. Now, before we get started, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page and understand what a data center is. There are many people who are new to the industry that might be listening that have never had an opportunity to either work in or even hear what a data center is. And as I mentioned, while I've worked in lots of data centers, I've never designed one. Now, I did take a data center class last year or so, and that information is where uh, I gleaned most of the stuff for today's show, but if you have a chance, I do recommend that you take Bixie's data center class and purchase their data center material. I highly recommend doing so. There's a lot of content there, and it can help you get up to speed on data centers pretty quickly and pretty efficiently. So according to the class that I took, a data center is a building or a portion of a building with the primary function to house computer room and its supported areas. It is a central repository that can store, manage, disseminate data, and from specific businesses either through physical or virtual means. Data centers can be loosely categorized by one of three types. There are enterprise, internet, and co-location data centers. Let's take a quick look at each of those three types of data centers. So many moons ago, I worked for a then-small computer cable company in northern Virginia, they are no longer small, and I am still good friends with the owner of that company. Well, one of our customers was a very large law firm in downtown Washington, D.C. This law firm, the name of this law firm is irrelevant, but they were one of the top five law firms in the largest law firms in the United States at the time that we were doing cabling for them, with offices all over the United States and even offices overseas. Their Washington, D.C. office was the hub of, and its resources were shared to all the other members of the enterprise, no matter which office that they were located or which department they were assigned to, whether it was in the Ohio or the Washington, D.C. office or the Paris, France. Quick side story. I remember one of those projects we were assigned to help with, to help do the cabling for them. And the IT staff was building a four-post cabinet, and they are loading it up with all kinds of storage devices. And as you can imagine, they had tons of of memos and legal briefs and, and, and other types of legal documentation that they got to store. And I was impressed by the just by the sheer size of this cabinet. So I asked the IT person just what kind of information could it store? And the response was, it was pretty <laughs> ironic. He said he was so excited. He said he could store one terabyte. One terabyte. And I was thinking, they will never fill that storage device up. One terabyte, that's huge. Now remember... This was in the mid-1980s. Anyways, that data center was in Washington, D.C. and was operated by only by the people employed by the law firm or, on occasion, they would let some contract specialists, like, like cable technicians, come in and do work for them for something that they didn't have expertise on or they didn't have time to complete. It was their data center. They paid all the cost to build, all the cost to maintain, all the cost to operate that data center. That is called an enterprise data center. The second type of data center is called an internet data center. These types of data centers host data on servers that is connected to the internet so people or companies can purchase service or space on their internet-connected servers. In fact, I'm using one of them right now just to deliver this podcast to you. When you download this show from your favorite podcast service... Apple, Google Play, for example, you're, you're downloading my show from their servers. I don't have a data center. I don't have any equipment. They own it. They control the environment that it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be in. And that's a blessing for me because I don't have the money to buy a server or maintain it or have pay for connectivity to the network. That's part of my subscription fee. That is an enterprise data center. The third type of data center is called a co-location data center. Now you might've heard them called colos. They're very similar to an internet data center. And in fact, companies will rent space inside of a co-location facility. It might be one cabinet, it might be a certain square footage, it might even be just one rack unit inside that data center. The difference here is in that colo, the customer has to provide their own information technology equipment. It's their own servers, their own equipment. Now this is a great option for a company who desires to have a off site backup data center without actually having to build a second and maintain a second data center. The Colo will provide the space, the electrical cooling, and the security for that facility for a fee. Some of them even offer on site support where a client can have their servers updated, switched out, or have regular maintenance performed on them without ever visiting that co-location facility. As you can imagine, there's a lot of time and costs associated with building a data center as well as the information that's going to be inside that data center. I would venture to say that the data that that data center storing is probably more valuable in whole than the rest of all the equipment that it resides on. So the owner of the data center is going to take all kinds of steps to reduce the risks from damage and loss of data from many types of events, and one of those being fire-related. So let's cover the fire suppression quickly so you will understand these systems on how to put out a fire. Now, fire needs four things to flourish. You may hear it referred to as the fire triangle. Each one of these sides of the triangle represents a critical element, If you eliminate or reduce any one of those three critical elements, the fire will go out. So those three elements are oxygen, heat, and fuel. The fire needs enough oxygen to sustain the combustion, and it needs enough heat to raise the material to its ignition temperature, and then it needs some sort of fuel in order for the combustion material in order for it to burn. I can hear you say now, but Chuck, you said there's four, and I only gave you three. That's right. You need a chemical reaction to start that fire. So data centers present a whole host of problems for fire suppression systems inside that more so than a typical house or commercial office building. There's equipment. There's all kinds of stuff that can go wrong. There's a lot of cable, which is a fuel load, and the server and equipment in the data center are going to be sensitive even to the smallest of temperature increases. So the smoke from the fire can also be detrimental to computers servers, and even hard drives inside that equipment. And also, don't forget that electrical equipment, electricity, and water don't get along very well. So a good risk mitigation plan will need to be developed. And the elements of a fire protection system include detection, suppression, and alarm. Detection, suppression, and alarm. Now, this show is going to focus on the suppression part of that fire protection system. The three suppression systems that you're likely to encounter are water sprinkler systems, clean agent gas systems, and oxygen depletion systems. If you're designing or if you are building a data center fire suppression system, it probably goes without having to say to make sure that you follow your city, your state, your territory, or your regional building and fire codes, period. So water fire suppressants have been around the longest and have protected faithfully for years. Now, a water system is a series of overhead pipes in the ceiling with sprinkler heads that stick below the ceiling. And when it is activated, they release water. Water reduces the temperature, which connects out one of the three sides of the fire triangle. Now the heads all have different colors to indicate at which temperature at which they're going to activate. This is a pressurized system and it's going to come from, it's got to, water's going to come from a dependable source and it's got to cover a specific area to extinguish that fire. Now these systems have water in them at all times and are generally only used for the non-critical areas of the data center. Water suppression systems in data centers are also different. Than the conventional water systems that you find in your home or a conventional office space. The sprinkler heads can dump somewhere between 30 and 36 gallons of water per minute from each sprinkler head. They work by emitting water droplets into the room that are about the size of 100 microns. This will give you more water and surface area to absorb the heat from the room, and that in turn, the water will turn to steam. And the steam droplets reduce the temperature of the actual room. Remember that fire triangle that I just told you about? So, data center water suppression systems usually dump between uh, use 50 to 90 percent less water than a conventional fire suppression system, and they pull their water from potable water sources, so they have less sediment than a traditional water suppression system. Because not only water will damage the equipment, so will the contaminants in that water system. Even still, measures have to be taken to ensure that flooding doesn't cause even more damage, and safety measures need to be taken to ensure that the system does not leak, period. For that reason, there's a second type of water sprinkler system, and it's called a pre-action system. It's very similar to the other system, except that the water is not in the pipe until the fire actually is there and breaks one of those heads. This reduces the risk of water leaking out and damaging equipment. There's also a water system called a dry system. This system also lacks water in the pipes and is usually filled with nitrogen or or some type of dehydrated air. These elements are replaced by water when the fire event happens. Now, this system is the preferred system where the other two where the water may become either frozen or the temperatures are going to be expected to reach or drop below 40 degrees. The next type of system, and quite honestly a better system, is a clean agent gaseous system. This system will use gas such as argon or carbon dioxide, or maybe even nitrogen. These chemicals are electrically non-conductive and will leave no residue that's going to lower the chance of damage to the actual equipment when the system gets activated. Fire suppression is also achieved by developing an extinguishing concentration of gaseous or clean agents in the fire zone. The agents are stored in pressurized cylinders either in or near the data centers in order to keep the pipes very short. They generally would discharge within 10 to 60 seconds from the time that they get initiated. Now, the last system is an oxygen depletion system. Oxygen depletion systems monitor the oxygen level in the air inside of the data center. Now, normally, oxygen out in the atmosphere is about 21% oxygen and the rest is other stuff, kind of depending on the altitude at which you're measuring it at. When oxygen is reduced minimally to just as low as 20.9%, that's enough To provide an increase in fire protection. Once the desired level is reached, for example, 16 or 16.6%, then that that, that maintained there, then basically the oxygen is starved, I mean, the fire is starved for oxygen and thus is put out. This is equivalent to being about 6,500 feet above sea level. A human being can live in that level of oxygen content for about six hours without having any kinds of health issues. In fact, there's over 100 cities in the United States that are above 7,500 feet above sea level. Now, fire, unfortunately, has a tough time with that low of an oxygen content. So as I said, there are many other just as important events and data centers you have to consider to ensure that they are operational and stay that way. Now I hope you understand that just one of those small components is indeed that fire suppression system. So until next time. Be safe. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.